you have a copy of God's Word, uh, meet me there in Acts chapter 1 as we start a brand new series uh, today called The Spirit in Acts. A couple of housekeeping notes as we get started. Um, the first one is during this series, this will be seven weeks long, will take us all the way to the week after Thanksgiving. Um, and that Go Further Prayer Guide, uh, you can pick up at the welcome desk if you didn't grab one, uh, or on JC Sign Up. Yeah, you heard it here first, JC Sign Up. Uh, there is a digital copy as well that you can use in your time with the Lord uh, to pray for our strategic partners that we have locally, uh, meaning in our city of Jonesboro, um, and nationally in the United States, and then globally across the world. And then also in this series, um, we're, we're going to be highlighting those um, partners strategically, kind of giving a space to pray for them, intentionally talk about them. Uh, we'll probably show some uh, different uh, videos and even some pictures in some very tangible ways where you can get to know them a little bit better uh, through the next seven weeks. Uh, and then also, um, every single series that we do, there is a groups guide that I want to bring your attention to. And on JC Sign Up, you can grab that resource for this series, uh, The Spirit and Acts. And, and through that, uh, you may have this question of, what does this series really mean in seven weeks? Are we going to cover the whole book of Acts? And that's not our goal in this series at all. Our goal in the next seven weeks is to, to look specifically at the book of Acts with the person of the Holy Spirit. And, and you may think, okay, why would you focus in like that? Because I believe two things. First, I believe each of us individually and our church as a whole has some room to grow in talking about and practicing with the Holy Spirit of what it means to walk with and allow the Holy Spirit to lead and rule our lives. But also with that of, of learning how the Holy Spirit worked post-resurrection, like that song that we just sang is the Spirit lit the flame, the church of Christ was born. That we're in the era currently of the church, if you will, in history. And the Spirit started the work of the church after Christ rose from the dead. And the way that the Spirit worked then, in a lot of ways, is very similar to how the Spirit works today. And so with that in mind, in your group's guide, if you uh, have a journey group or maybe you just gather with a few group of uh, individuals at your workplace or even just maybe your family unit at home, uh, there's a, a discussion guide in each one of these weeks, but then there's also a diving deeper resource at the end of each week to kind of guide you through the book of Acts if you want to read it uh, with us. And if you just read one chapter a day for the weekdays, uh, you'll finish that up before we finish uh, this series. And so you'll have the week of Thanksgiving uh, to prep for Thanksgiving and all that kind of stuff. But I would encourage you to read the book of Acts as we dive in uh, to this series together. So if you have a copy of God's Word, hopefully you're there in Acts chapter 1. Uh, before we turn there, I want to make you aware of a, a study that you may or may not know of. In, uh, there's a ministry called Ligonier Ministries that they do a, a state of theology survey every year, specifically in uh, evangelical church members. And they ask this question of, do you believe the Holy Spirit is a personal force or a personal being. And 55% of every evangelical, church-going, Bible-believing member in the United States, over 55% said that the Holy Spirit was more like a force than a being. So more like Star Wars, 
than a personal God who knows us and wants to walk with us. A force, by definition, is a strength or energy of something that can move action. So let's frame up today as what are we trying to do by walking through Acts 1, 1 through 8. My goal today is not for any of us to walk away with this 100% grasp of the Holy Spirit that we can wrap our hands around and just fully know and understand exactly what's happening. Because there's some mystery to the person of God. He is an infinite being who knows all, is all powerful, and is everywhere at all times. There is no shot that we're going to fully understand who God is in this regard. But my goal today is to walk through some of the personal attributes of who the Holy Spirit is from the book of Acts specifically. We're going to use some other scripture references too. But to show you how the Holy Spirit is a person and not a force and how the Holy Spirit is plan A for God to be with you in your life. That the Holy Spirit is God's plan A for God to be with you in your life. So let's look at some of the attributes of his personality before we jump into the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit has attributes which makes him personable and not just a force. Like this, in Romans 8.2, we read a passage before we got ready to worship. In Romans 8.2, it says the Spirit has life. In 1 Corinthians 1.12, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 11, it says the Holy Spirit has a, a will. In 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 11, Paul says the Holy Spirit is all-knowing. In Hebrews 9, 14, it tells us that the Holy Spirit is eternal. And in Psalm 139, 7, it says the Holy Spirit is everywhere at all times. These are just a few attributes of the personal nature of who the Spirit of God is. That he's not a mere force, but he has personal attributes that he possesses, making him a personal being. And I, and I want to slow down here because the reality is, is there's some confusion in our Christian life of who the Holy Spirit is and his role in our life because the scripture also calls the Spirit of God, God's breath. Read Job 33 verse 4 where it says this, the Spirit of God has made me, the breath of the Almighty gives me life. You have other challenging passages like Genesis 2-7 where it says God breathed into the nostrils of the man and he became a living being. So is the Holy Spirit just simply the breath of God? Well, you and I have breath. Some of you don't smell your breath right now, but if you could just breathe out and you can feel it. You can feel your breath. So that doesn't seem like a very personal being just to be the, the breath of God. But when we breathe, it's a, it's a helpful reminder to us. And I want to use the breath as an illustration to help us maybe begin to wrap our minds around some things. So if you would, if you would simply close your eyes. I'm not throwing anything in anybody, I promise, all right? If you close your eyes, just simply breathe in and breathe out three times with me to be really thoughtful of your breath, if you will. Not how it smells, but just the fact that you need it in your life. Let's breathe together. In and out. If you can, breathe in through your nose and then out through your mouth. I know allergies are everywhere, but a second time. In and out. One last time. 
In and out. My goal is not a yoga class. You can open your eyes now. But when we breathe, it's a helpful reminder to us that we are utterly dependent on things outside of ourselves to have life in ourselves. That we are dependent biologically on the atmosphere and the air around us for us to continue to have a life. We have to breathe. We need oxygen to exist in the atmosphere biologically to have life in ourselves and for our lives to keep going. You see, it's a reminder for us to breathe is a reminder that you and I both, we're, we're borrowers in this world. That we in and of ourselves are not independent. There is no way that we are independent on anything, but we are strictly dependent. And for us to do the activity of just simply breathing is a reminder that we are both dependent. We're dependent on the atmosphere and we are dependent on our creator. You see, there's this parallel here in your breath and his breath that you have it, but there is a strength a strict dividing line in the sense of the way that God breathes is very different from the way that you and I breathe. You see, you and I breathe because we are dependent on the air. But God does not breathe because he is dependent. You see, God actually breathes to give life to other beings. He gives life to you and I. He sends life from himself when he breathes. When you and I breathe, we take life in. When God breathes, he's sending life out. You see, there's this very complicated sentence that I'm about to put up on the screen of the one point that we're gonna try to wrap our minds around together. It's this, that in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit that we sing about, we know about, that God, as Father, Son, Spirit, is the only being who has life in himself, of himself, sends it from himself as himself. What, what does this mean in this regard? That God as a, the only being has actually life in himself. That God is actually not dependent upon any external force or being to have life. He just has it. He is life. And he has it of himself that it's, it's all in him. It is him that the Father, Son, and Spirit, that they are equally God as personal beings. And the, the Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Spirit. The Spirit is not the Father. And then, and yes. And it's like, but how does this work? That's the point. That we can't wrap our minds fully around who God is, but he has life in himself. We know this to be true, that he's not dependent on any one else and it's also of himself he's the only being who can make himself live you and I just can't make that happen you you have to take in other things for you to still exist and have life you know this to be true you eat you breathe you drink water hopefully sweet tea there's enough water in that right but he also sends it from himself he sends life to us but it's also as himself because the 
Father sends the Son to us. The Son sends the Spirit to us to give us life, but it is also Him. Because the Holy Spirit is God and God breathes to send us life. Look at this verse in Acts 17, 28, and we'll jump into Acts 1, I promise. Paul says, for in him we live and move and have our being. Speaking of God himself, God the Holy Spirit, that this adventure of the book of Acts is, is Jesus calls it better for him to leave so that he could send the Spirit to be with us as the fulfillment of God with us. But you see, too much and too often in our Christian life, if you're a follower of Jesus, your recognition on your need for the Spirit of God in your life is almost equal to how often we recognize our need for air. We don't think about it very often. But yet, is our Heavenly Father as gracious as He is, He still sends us His Spirit to help us live and move and have our being as we follow Jesus. So let's jump in this adventure of the book of Acts together. Acts 1, 1. It says, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day when he was taken up and after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his sufferings by many proofs, appearing to them for 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. What's interesting about the book of Acts is it's actually volume two because Luke is the writer, the, also the writer of the gospel of Luke, like Matthew, Mark, Luke. And you can see in the beginning of Acts and the beginning of Luke, how they're one work that's really put together uh, because the, the intro very similar of this person of Otheophilus and we don't really know much about this individual but this name means God-fearer. So is it a person or a group of people? Scholars debate but we just really don't know that much about it. But we know that Luke is the writer and, and when we continue on in the book of Acts and you probably have this heading in your Bible like I have in my mine and yours may say the Acts of the Apostles or the, just the book of Acts or, or, or a variety of that. But a helpful title for the book of Acts is what Luke tells us in verse one where he says, I, I've already dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. And now here's his continuation. This is how Jesus is going to continue to work in our world. So this is just Jesus part two. This isn't like, okay, now let's look at all the cool stuff that the apostles did. This is Jesus part two because he says, this is how he's going to continue to do what he's going to do. But what's super interesting is the beginning of the book of Acts and the end of the book of Luke have very similar things because Luke shares with us both times in Acts one and in Luke 24, kind of the last like rah-rah speech from Jesus. And this is what he says in Luke 24, 48 and 49. He tells his disciples, this is Jesus speaking, you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my father upon you. But stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. 
You see, what's the promise of the Father? And why does Jesus say it like this? The, he's the promise of the Father. Well, you see, what is the Spirit the promise of? Maybe even a better question. You see, the Spirit is the promise because God's plan has always been to dwell with his people. And the Holy Spirit is the fulfillment of this promise ultimately. That the Son of God accomplished redemption for God's people. To provide a way for us to be in his presence, to dwell with God, to be forgiven from our sins. To have right standing with God. But ultimately, Jesus says in John 16, it's better that I leave so that I can send the Spirit. Because Jesus in his earthly body could only be in one place at one time. But God could send his spirit and he could be everywhere at all times. Look, how unfortunate would it be if Jesus was actually still here in earthly form? Like we would think, oh, that would be better. What if Jesus just traveled around to different churches every Sunday? Like, man, I hope he's at Journey this week. Like, and you show up and you're disappointed because it's just Daniel and it's not Jesus. I'd be disappointed. It's like, man, he's at a church across town. Like, Let's go find him. But the beauty is, is Jesus is actually everywhere in the God, the Holy Spirit. And you see, God, the Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father because God's ultimate plan was always to be with his people. And he is with his people. You see, the Spirit is not this afterthought of like, Jesus is like, well, I'll finish my part. What are we gonna do next? Who's the last guy to go? All right, you're up. It's not like we're taking turns on the merry-go-round and this is the last kid who didn't get a turn at the playground and the Spirit's like, can I go now? But this has always been God's plan. You see, he's like special ops marine corps. Like he's sent in for a mission. He's like, your part's done, God the Son. Now I'm in. I got this mission. I'm gonna go be with the people. I'm the promise of the Father. It's always been this plan. You did your job, now it's time for me to do my job. I'm gonna go be with the people because the Holy Spirit's goal, though it may be confusing for us because we talk about Jesus accomplishing redemption, is his goal is to be with the people but his also his goal is always to point to the Son. You see that God's book, the scriptures, is a book about God being with his people but it's, the hero, the rescue mission is the son coming to rescue and redeem his people. And so the spirit, when he's doing his job, he's like a good point guard in basketball. He's always setting up somebody to score. He's always setting up the son who accomplished the work of redemption. So oftentimes in the, the Bible, it talks of the work of God, but very seldomly most of the time, it talks about the work of the Spirit. It talks a lot about the work of the Son, and that's rightly so. Because the Spirit is always pointing to the Son. It's His job, that's what He does, and He does it well. Which is why in verse 4, when Jesus orders them to do this, He picks up on this very similar language in Luke 24. He says, And while staying with them, He ordered them, Do not depart. Not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. 
For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they came together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Notice that the Holy Spirit is with them. The Holy Spirit is in them. The Holy Spirit is working through them to be a witness of the Son. The Holy Spirit is with them, in them, working through them to point to the Son. My witnesses. Where at? In Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You may have a question here of verse five of baptism in the spirit. And we'll actually unpack this of what it means to be baptized in the spirit and uh, to be filled with the spirit in weeks ahead. But what I want you to notice in this is this in the scriptures, God's mission has always been to be with his people in covenant partnership. And the Holy Spirit is him actually doing that. But how much of us in this restoration work of being infatuated in our culture with superhero movies, is this just a bad movie plot line, right? Like how many of us watching a Marvel movie and the superhero, like the last scene, like the good guys are winning, the bad guys are losing, and they're like, Thor's like, all right guys, here's my hammer. You guys finish, I'm gonna leave. We'd be like, what, what kind of movie scene is this? Like they're saving New York City and he's like, we're almost there, but you know what? I think I'm just gonna bow out. I think you guys got it from here. It was like, we're like, we would never watch that movie. But this is what Jesus does in this movement because he's accomplished the work of redemption and restoration. And he's like, you guys will wait right here. I'm gonna go. Just wait right here. You're gonna have power come upon you from the promise of the Father. Then go out and be my witnesses. You see, for Jesus, the Holy Spirit is plan A of God coming to be with us, to finish the task of being a witness on this earth in the message of renewal and restoration of God, making his people, his image bearers be with him. In the midst of a hurting and dying world, it is his plan. In the midst of all the pain, all the devastation, all the horrendous acts that humanity commits against itself, God's plan A has been this. There is no plan B. In his restoration work, he says, the spirit is gonna come and empower you to be my witnesses. So here's my question, church. For you individually, the first question is this. I got three of them if you're taking notes. Number one is, do you have the Spirit? Do you have the Spirit of God living inside you? It is His plan A to be with you. A couple of months, we're going to celebrate Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us. We talk about Jesus coming to be with us, but the ultimate fulfillment is the Spirit of God coming to be with you, live in you, work through you. 
God sends life to you in the form of his spirit active in your life. And if you have the spirit of God in you working through you, how often do you recognize that? That's a free question. That's not one of my three. Don't count that. How often do you recognize that? How often do you attribute the work of God in your life to God the Holy Spirit? Or is he much like breath in your lungs? You're like, I'm thankful for this because I'm not suffocating. But I really don't even think about it most of the time. I only kind of think about it when I'm really out of breath and I need it in my life. Or do you have a practice every day of just simply thanking God and recognizing his activity in your life. And if you don't have the spirit of God inside you, or you're thinking, man, somebody just invited me from work, like what in the heck are you talking about? Simple things that I want you to know. God wants to be with you. And the beautiful thing about the gospel message is not only does he want to be with you, he made a way to be with you. And all of your junk, all of your baggage, all of your brokenness, God is the one who made a way. In all of your sin, in all of your shame, all of the guilt, there's no way that you could work your way out of that. But the beauty of the gospel and who Jesus is, is he made a way. And it was his plan all along because he knew how messed up we would be. And at the right time, he sent his son to live a life that you and I could not live. Die a death that we deserve because of our sin. Stepped in our place in substitution. He subbed in and said, I'll take it. I'll take their punishment. And he died on a cross, was buried in a grave for three days, but then he rose again because the book of Acts next week, we'll look at the passage where it says, because death could not hold him. Didn't have the power because remember, God has life in himself, of himself. He is the author of life. And he makes an invitation to you and I to come to him. If you desire to have life with God, life in God, life through God, you can begin a relationship with Jesus as simple as making Jesus the leader of your life and forgiver of your sins. To ask him, say, I want to follow you. And if that's you today, don't leave this place without telling somebody. Somebody with an orange tag at the welcome desk or myself or a prayer team member at the end of the service. Tell us, I want to start a relationship with Jesus. I want to be with this God who wants to be with me. Despite my baggage, despite my brokenness, despite my sin, I want to be with him because he wants to be with me. Second question. First question was, do you have the spirit? Second question is this, what are you a witness to? What are you a witness to? Notice the question was, is like, how good of a witness are you to Jesus? That's, I don't really, not necessarily care about that, but the reality is, is all of us are witnesses to something. And what it means to be a witness is just to be, have to experience something and share about it. Like I, I'm a witness to 
a good restaurant every time I visit. I go tell somebody, man, have you eaten at this place? Like, well, next time you go to Memphis, you gotta go to whatever. Or next time you're downtown Jonesboro, you gotta eat here. Like, I'm a witness to it. I'm a witness to good vacation spots. As my wife says, as a parent of toddlers, there's only two things you don't share about. Good babysitters and good fishing holes. Everything else is free game, all right? But the reality in our lives is we're good witnesses to, to something. And Jesus says that you will be my witnesses when you experience this life in the spirit and allow him to work in you, with you, and through you in your life. What are you a witness to? This is not a guilt trip. This is just self-reflection in this moment. Last question, number three. Do you know the Holy Spirit? And this isn't just simple like, hey, I know some Bible verses, but like in your life, do you know the person of the Spirit of God? His personhood is affirmed in his many works of how he works in your life and other followers of Jesus' life for, for all time that he's worked. Like, listen to some of these things that it says that he was personally involved in all throughout the scriptures. In Genesis 1 and 2, you can see his personal in, involvement in all of creation. In the minor prophet Zechariah, it says he empowers the people of God in Zechariah 4, 6. In Romans 8, 14, he says he guides the children of God to make decisions in their life. In John 14, 26, it says he comforts hurting believers. In John 16, 8, it tells us that he convicts us of sin in our lives. In John 16, 13, Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit will teach us how to live out scripture. In Isaiah 59, 19, it says, for the children of God, he will hold them back from sinning. In Acts 8, 29, it says he will give us commands of how to live our life. You see, each one of these, and this is a limited list, is how the Holy Spirit is personally involved in the life of every follower of Jesus. That he is rather no mere force, no mere thing, no mere idea, but a person who's intimately involved in your life, who desires to be God with you, God in you, God working through you. So do you wanna know him? If you could, right there where you're at, would you get in a prayer posture? I just simply have two prayer prompts for you and then we're gonna worship again this morning together. Would you simply pray and invite the Holy Spirit? Would you request to him? Would you just make a request if you would be so bold to know him more intimately? Would you say, Holy Spirit, I wanna... I just want to know you. Help me know you. Help me experience you in my life. I want to not just hear the truth that you're God with me, God in me, God working through me, but I want to, I want to experience that.
the second prayer prompt and then we'll worship together. Is would you pray for one name or one face to come to your mind of someone that the Spirit of God desires you to be a witness to? We talk about it often here at Journey, but to be an active follower of Jesus, it's God leading us closer to Him, to know Him more intimately, but also closer to those who are far from him. Jesus always moved towards those on the margins and should be our activity as well. So would you pray? Would you be so bold to pray? Holy Spirit, would you open my eyes on Monday? Would you bring a face? Would you bring a name to my mind right now of one person that you're leading me towards? with the message God desires to be with them. It's okay to be not okay. It's okay to be broken. It's okay to be messed up. It's okay to have made mistakes, to have sinned, but God loves us enough not to leave us there. He wants to work to move towards you, to work in you, to live through you broken people serving a perfect savior Holy Spirit we invite you to work in this room that you've been here from the beginning that you're present every time we open your word when your people gather you are here and we acknowledge that we acknowledge our dependence on you like we are physically dependent upon air. May you move and work in our lives to point us to Jesus, to point us to the truth that you desire to be with us, work in us and move through us. And may we not keep the promise to ourselves, but share it with others as we are seeking to be your witnesses wherever you lead us. In Christ's name, amen. Hey, would you stand and would you worship with us?